Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. And today we want to sit down and just have a family talk. So I'm going to read the New Testament portion. At least we may not get to the Old Testament portion because I've got some very exciting, important announcements to make. And I want to talk to you about a family talk that you need to have with your family. Now, this family talk is extremely important. So all of you leaders and things, would you gather everybody around and would you text out to all of your Connect Group members and say, turn into morning devotions. Pastor has some very important things to us to say this morning. And as we move through the broadcast this morning, we'll be talking about some of these important things. But get online right now and get all of your Connect Group members involved. Get your family awake and rustled around because I want everybody to listen this morning as we talk about these announcements and a family talk that your family needs to be having. Right now, let's go to Psalms 91, our very important foundation stone during these days. Psalms 91, verses 1 to 16. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God and my church. Surely He will save you from the owner and from, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that fills by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at night. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. You make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge. Then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will save him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thank you. We've all been watching the news as the large number of COVID positives keep seeming to increase every day. And they say this is in part due to things beginning to reopen. And they say this is in part due to the um, uh, testing, the rampant amount of testing that's happening right now. And thank God for the testing. Uh, but, you know, from experience from a lot of our members that tell us, and again, I'm not a doctor, so don't quote me, but many of our members are saying that, you know, the, the rapid test pastor gives a lot of false positives. And you go get your second test and you're negative. So I, I won't get too concerned about a lot of things right now. Don't, don't let fear begin to grip your heart. I mean, we've we've been living in this now for, oh my goodness, somebody told me yesterday 118 days. I don't keep track. I just listen to what other people say about it. We've made it this far. We'll get through the end of this and it will be well with us. And my prayer is that when we get to the end of this, we will end stronger than when we began. Not only as a church, but every family, every business, we will end stronger. We will end with more cash in the bank. 
We will end with our families stronger. We will end with our businesses stronger. We will end with our bodies stronger than than when we went into this. Amen. Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. We see the news. And Father, I know the news is just trying to get attention. But Father, sometimes it causes a lot of fear. Lord, let there be no fear in the hearts of your people. Let there be no fear at all in the name of Jesus. Let their hearts just find a settled rest of faith, Lord, as they turn their focus on you. Father, I ask that you incline the hearts of your people to your word and that you stir up the spirit of prayer, the spirit of supplication within them, as you promised in your word, Lord. And let their hearts be focused on you and you alone. And Father, as that occurs, oh, just let the rest of God flow within them. I pray for the frontliners again today, Lord. They carry the heaviest load of this. Father, I ask in Jesus' name to restore their souls. I ask that you strengthen their physical bodies and strengthen their immune systems. Father, let there be no fear in their hearts. They've got the promises of Psalms 91, and faithful are you who have promised. Your angels will guard them in all their ways. This thing shall not come near them. I thank you for it, Father. I pray for all of the new little businesses that have started that are putting food on the tables. Lord, those things are going to have to go longer. I ask, Lord, for a supernatural increase. I ask, Lord, for the favor of God and the favor of man upon every one of these little businesses that's putting food on the table right now. All the cooking, all the baking, all the selling, all the Facebook selling. Father, in the name of Jesus, let there just be a favor of God and a favor of man that rests upon them. The Father, they will see this flourish, not just drivel by, Lord, but they'll see it flourish. Lord, you promise that as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. The food would always be there a day in advance. The need would always be there in advance. We would be people who live from our bodega and not people who live hand-to-mouth. Let there be no hand-to-mouth living among your people at this time, Father. Let there always be bodega living, that we always live out of the abundance that you have provided. Father, in the name of Jesus, in your grace and in your mercy, just bring provision. I thank you for it. Father, I pray for all the Lolas and the Lolas. They're not getting out. They're tired of being home. They're cooped up. Their bodies are getting stiff. Lord, in Jesus' name, just touch them today. Let your healing flow into their bodies. Let your strength flow into their bodies. And let there just be a rest. Let them be be an anchor of faith for the whole family. Let there be such a faith within their hearts that the children no longer are afraid and the young people are no longer afraid as they see that anchor of faith of Lolo and Lola. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship. And again, please, all of you, call your friends, call your family around, call your Connect Group members, tell everybody to get tuned in because partway through our broadcast this morning, I really want to talk to you about a family meeting that you need to have with your family.
right, I've got some exciting announcements. Let me make these first. We will be having services this weekend in all four of our campuses here in Manila. And as far as I know, in all of our branch churches, though the branch churches will need to make their own announcements depending on what type of curfew they're under, what type of quarantine they're under. Some of them are already in MG, MGCQ and they're already at 50% capacity. Uh, I was just told Davao is opening up to 50% capacity this weekend. We're not... We're not as advanced as they are yet. So those of you in our branch churches, please make sure that you stay in touch with your branch pastor. But for those of us here in Manila, all four campuses will be opening starting Saturday. All right. Saturday is the first day that we can begin to meet. We wanted to do Friday night, but it really begins on Saturday. So let's let's stick within the letter of the law. Now, that said, there are some things that we need patience with. Seniors, as far as I know, until things change, they're still saying seniors are quarantined at home. Young people, as far as I know, they're still saying young people under the age are quarantined at home. Uh, I went up to Alabang Town Center the, on Monday and uh, watched the security guard turning young people away, would not let them enter the mall. So we do have to be careful with some of this. Now, so let's talk about our seniors and our young people. Please get involved in the drive-in service. Now, right now, we have South Campus operating. It will continue to function for, you know, semi-permanently for the short long term, at least. Maybe not for the eternal long term, but for the short long term. We will continue to have Saturday morning, 7.30, drive-in service, rain or shine. I will be there. Now, some of you young professionals, you need to drive Lolo and Lola down and let them come to church, all right? Because they enjoy it. Have someone come to the car and pray for them and it's a nice time but also bring the young people the young people can come to that one also so uh, that will continue for the foreseeable future within a week or so depending on getting things out of customs because customs is at 20 percent workforce right now we have another fm transmitter coming in that will install at main campus and lolos and lolas and young people can sit in the cars why the young professionals and moms and dads are in the main auditorium. Keep the car running, though, for the air conditioning. And we'll have an FM transmitter set up in the parking lot at main campus also. So we are taking care of you. Now, for everybody else, all four services, which will be really five services now, we're going to do a Saturday night at 6 o'clock like we always do, Sunday morning at 7.30 like we always do, 10 a.m. like we always do. We're adding 12.30 Okay, to take some of the load off of the 10 o'clock, we're adding a 12.30 service and then, of course, the 3 o'clock service. So five services. Now, some of these services, because we've been telling you already, you need to book in advance so that we don't get overcrowded. We're only allowed 10% capacity. Uh, main campus still has slots available in all services right now, so you can contact your district pastor and book that in. South Campus has slots available in all services except 7.30 a.m. That one's already full. North Campus still has slots available except 7.30 is also already full. East Campus, uh, we still have slots available except the uh, 10 o'clock service is already full. And 7.30 is also almost full. Uh, the drive-in, we still have slots available. So please contact your district pastor and we'll get this taken care of as quickly as possible now. Also, I have to ask that when you come to the service, in addition to booking your seat, we need to ask tremendous patience. I know, I know you're tired of everybody telling you what to do, but we do have some pretty strict government regulations. We've got the foot baths, we've got the temperature check, and we've got contact tracing. Now, 
contact Tracy. We have three ways to set up for you. You can either fill out a little sheet of paper, you can use a QR code, or you can uh, text in the information on your on your smartphone. Uh, but part of that will be the seat number. Now, the seat numbers are right there at the bottom of every seat. Uh, you'll only be allowed to sit in the seats with the red stripes. That will give us our our 10% as well as our social distancing. All right, so 10% plus our social distancing, uh, the red stripes. Now, east, north, and south, we just took a whole lot of chairs away, but main campus looked for the red stripes. Please be patient. We've got to have the spaces as you've been trained in the grocery stores now for the CRs and all of that. I would just beg of you, please be patient. We will run the services shorter, especially at first until we get a routine going because between every service, we have to have a full wipe down, uh, disinfect for the next service. So we've got a lot of rules and regulations. Our song service will be shorter because we are all going to be required to wear masks during the song service. Um, when the platform is completely clear, I'll take off my mask so that I can preach at least a little properly. Uh, and uh, But nobody will be within seven or eight meters or 10 meters of me up there in the platform all by myself. Uh, but all during the singing, we will have to have our mask on to a little shorter song service because it is hard to sing with those things. So uh, please ask for your patience and understanding. Now, some of you who can't get out of the house say, Pastor, but what about, what about? Nothing's being taken away. We will continue to do morning devotions. We will continue with the evening services. Nothing is being taken away. We want to make sure everybody is covered. Everybody feels safe, especially with the spike going on right now. Now, can I make one more announcement? please. I'm going to do devotions the way we've been doing it for months and months and months today, just reading to you. You have to tell me, do you like this other way? I, I don't hear much feedback, all right? So you need to tell me you've had three days in a row of it with the, the new format. Do you want to continue with the new format or do you want me to just return to reading? Either way is easy for me, whatever you enjoy and help or send a text message to us, let us know what you prefer. All right, we've got a great testimony for you now. Hello, COP. I'm Sister Mirna Cortez, Go Group Leader and an Usher. I just want to share with you the faithfulness of God in our life this pandemic. Since na asawa ko ay no work, no pay, nag-worry po ako. Subalit pinatunayan ng Panginoon ang kanyang katapatan. Mula sa trabaho ng anak ko hanggang sa pangangailangan namin dito sa gumuhus po ang biyaya niya. Wala po nung magkaroon po ng ECQ, tuloy-tuloy pa rin po yung sweldo ng anak ko. Buong sahod po niya natatanggap. At nagkaroon din po kami ng chance na makapagtinda ng pagkain through online. Favor na rin po ng Panginoon na makapag-share ako ng Word of God at makapag-lead ng prayer sa aming barangay everyday. Ito sa Panginoon ang aming kapitan at ang aming kapitahan. Sabi ng Panginoong Jesus sa John 15 verse 8 na pararangalan ng Ama kapag tayo ay namumunga ng sagana. Alright, let's talk about a family meeting I would like to ask all of you to sit down and have. Gather your whole family together and take some notes now i want you to make an agenda now please these are just a few thoughts that i have for you please you need to make your own family agenda make a little agenda and sit down and have a family meeting now to be very honest i think we have all come to realize this is not something that is going to blow over like a typhoon i think we all just kind of thought well it's going to be locked down for 30 days and then life is back to normal and i think we're all beginning to realize 
this is going to be a while. Uh, it would not surprise me that between the COVID and the economic uh, difficulties that are brought out by this COVID thing, uh, it would not surprise me that we've got another year and a half, maybe two years to go before we're back to what life was like in 2019. Remember 2019? It seems like such a long time ago. So we need to settle into this. We need to we need to make some semi-permanent or some new patterns in life. Now, there are some things that will not surprise me. It would not surprise me, third quarter, fourth quarter, to see interest rates and in banks going up. It would not surprise me, third quarter, fourth quarter, to see foreclosures and repos of cars beginning to really escalate. Uh, banks are short of cash right now, and if you walk through a shopping mall, you can understand why. Money is not moving. Money is not rolling. There's not money being deposited in banks. There's not interest payments being paid. I mean, this is why banks are cutting staffs and things right now, because there's there's no cash coming in. And it's going to probably take a year and a half, two years for the economy to get back to normal. Now, I don't want to depress anybody, but we do need to have some prudence and, and take a look ahead. Now, th there's three verses I want you to just get a hold of really strong in your heart. The first is Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is teaching us to live in the now. Everybody say, live in the now. Now, folks, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I know God will be there and God's promises will be true. But you're going to have to learn for the next little while to live in the now. Don't worry about tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. All we can do is live in today. I want to remind you of Ephesians 6 that we've been teaching about forever on these Sunday services. And having done everything, stand firm. Sometimes you've done everything that you know to do, and now you just stand firm. Moms and dads, some of you, you've done everything you know to do. Now all you can do is stand firm. There's nothing more to do. So don't, don't worry about what am I going to do next? What? Stand firm. James would say it to us this way. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Now James is telling us we don't know tomorrow. All we can do is be submissive to God's will. So I want to challenge you as a family. Let's not get all freaked out about tomorrow. Let's make the best of every day. Let me say that again. Let's make the best of every day. Sometimes there's nothing more to do except to stand firm. Now, in this family meeting I'm talking about, here are some things that I think that we need to, to look at. We are probably going to be seeing some type of restrictions for maybe another year because of COVID-19. We are probably going to be seeing economic challenges in our beloved country for maybe another one and a half or two years. So these are some things that we need to do. Number one, we need to settle into a livable lifestyle. Now, emphasize the word livable and emphasize the word lifestyle. You need to sit down as a family and talk about what is a livable lifestyle. Forgive me, but some of you, you can't keep going like you've been going. Okay, You, you can't go seven days a week, 18 hours a day. You, you can't keep doing this. Uh, I even rearranged my schedule so that I took Monday off and I made almost all of our pastors uh, take Monday off last week and just I got in people's faces and said you will take a day off because I looked at one of our staff and I said 
you look like I feel. Now, some of you, you've worked so hard and it's been, you just keep thinking this thing is going to end and it's not going to end. It's not going to end right away. And you can't keep going like you're going. So you need to settle into a livable lifestyle. Now, this is going to first of all require some new short-term patterns. Now, let's talk about what these patterns are. You're going to need to settle into a short-term pattern for sleep. You're going to need to settle into a short-term pattern for a day off. Everybody needs one day a week to rest. That's how God created us. We work six and we rest one. So you need to set some short-term patterns on hours that you're going to work, a day off. You need to set some short-term patterns on family time. Some of you, well, we're together all the time. Yeah, but you're really not together. Uh, you're working over there in that corner. The kids are over there in this corner. Lola and Lola are in that corner. And though you're in the same room or you're in the same house, you're not together. And remember, you used to have Sunday lunch together as a whole family and everybody talked. Now, you, if you're, if you're going to make this thing through this strong, the family's got to end strong. So you need to make sure that you set family times where everybody comes out of their corners, everybody comes out of their rooms, and you meet as a family, and you have a meal together, and you laugh, and you talk. You're going to have to set some p new short-term patterns on income. How are you going to earn your money? How, how are we going to make it through this? You need to set some new short-term patterns on exercise, and that includes Lolo and Lola. They can't just sit in there. So you've got to set some short-term patterns on exercise, both for yourselves and for the seniors among you. Some of you, you need to set some short-term patterns on relationship. Your courtship got interrupted. How are you going to continue this courtship? You, you need to figure this out. This We are in a marathon. We are not in a sprint. How are you going to work on this courtship? Basically, what I'm talking about is you need to set some new short-term patterns of how to live life. Not just exist. How to live life. Let me say that again. Not just existing, because that's what a lot of us are doing right now. We're just existing. We're, we're pushing everything we can push and existing. But God doesn't want you to exist. Jesus came that you might have life and life more abundantly, even in the middle of COVID. So how do you live life? How do you settle into this livable lifestyle with new short-term patterns where you can live life? Now, one of the things I'm going to ask of you is that on Monday, we will close all of our campuses, all of our branch churches, and make sure that our pastors have a day off. Because a lot of them, there's been no day off since this began. I mean, seriously, when I'm talking about a lot of them, I'm talking about 99%. It's just been run flat out. This is, to do pastoral care in this season has been even more, much more difficult than prior to COVID-19. For churches that care about their people, pastors have been running until our tongues are hanging out. Okay, so like a dog, you know me and my dog illustration. So please, we're going to have the pastors take Monday off. We will not have uh, Fortress 91 on Mondays beginning this Monday. But you also as a family need to sit down and work out a schedule and a lifestyle that is livable and sustainable. Now, let me emphasize that word sustainable. You can't keep working seven days a week, 18 hours a day, baking cupcakes, to put food on the table and survive. You're going to have to figure out a way to get a day off. You're going to have to figure out how can I sustain this for a while longer. 
Another thing that you need to sit down with your family and talk about, because we don't know tomorrow. You need to plan a simple, inexpensive lifestyle. You need to make your budget cuts now. Do not make your budget cuts when money runs out. Make your budget cuts before there is a tightening. That way you have reserves and you have excess cash. You never want to play catch-up. I've done that in my life. You never want to play catch-up. You want to live ahead of this. So make your budget cuts before there are problems. As a church, we made budget cuts before there were any challenges or difficulties. You know, when we saw that there would be no university, months ago, we we cut the student center. You know, we, we did major cuts on things because we realized, you know what, it's just going to sit there. It's a waste of money. We'll open new student centers. The lease is coming up anyway. Let's go ahead and not renew the lease. Make your budget cuts ahead. Never play catch up with money. Always play bodega with money. You always want money in the bodega. So plan a simple, inexpensive lifestyle. I took my family out for a nice lunch uh, last Monday. It was our first day off together in how many months? Uh, But I took the whole family out for lunch. And uh, we had a nice restaurant, and I said, now, I want you to understand this will probably be the last time we do this for a while. I said, because you know me, we're going to sit on our cash and use our cash for opportunities. Now, please understand, in these days, cash is king. There's not going to be much credit, okay? Cash is king. You should expect, those of you who are businessmen, you have lines of credit at the banks, don't be shocked if they don't release those lines of credit. Uh, Don't be shocked, folks, if people start reducing your uh, credit card credit. Uh, Don't be shocked at these things, okay? I mean, I've I've lived through these days before, and I've seen what banks have done before. Banks are trying to survive also. So don't be shocked if, you know, you have a $300,000 on your credit card, and all of a sudden the bank says, uh, we're we're reducing your credit limit to $100,000. Don't be shocked by these things. Live cash, okay? Cash will be king. And again, live simple and expensive. This is not a time for eating out. This is not a time for fancy things. You know, if you if you need imported things right now and you need computers and stuff like now, I would say pretty quickly is the time to get them because importations are really, really difficult. I talked with a man the other day and he said, you know, he's been waiting for customs for two months now to get a shipment release. So, you know, shipments and manufacturing overseas has been affected. If there's something that you're waiting to buy, a computer, technology, whatever, I would go ahead and get it done, get it out of the way, because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Live inexpensive lives, okay? Take your lunch in. Don't eat lunch out. It's healthier anyway. Take your lunch in with you. Save money. Don't waste. And again, save for what I call not a good opportunity. Save for what I call a God opportunity in these days. There's going to be beautiful cars that you're going to be able to buy because they don't have the money to make the bank payments. There's going to be homes that you thought you could never buy, and the price is going to be half what it was. I mean, at the worst of this thing, when the worst of this thing bottoms out, you're going to be able to buy homes and cars so cheap. You're just going to shake your head at it. Condos, the prices of condos. Now they're talking about the the Pogos leaving. A couple of the big Pogos have already announced they're leaving. Uh, so condo prices are coming down. So there's going to be a lot of things going on. So you need to talk as a family. How can we do this? As much as possible, you want to be debt free at these times because money supply and money movement is going to get tighter. Interest rates may rise. And you say, well, they can't raise our interest rates. We have a contract. Well, you know, in the 80s, I would have agreed with you. 
But in the 80s, we lived through some of that. And all the banks changed their contracts. Now, when there's extraordinary situations, banks have the right to raise the interest rates anytime they want. I promise you, if you look at the fine print, it's in all the contracts. You need to, as a family, talk about where you're renting. Um, the price of condos, the price of homes, the rental values are going to go down. And, you know, within a little while, you should be talking to your landlord about reducing your rent. Uh, you should, if you live in a condo, you should be talking to your landlord about reducing your rent. Or you should be letting the contract run out and moving into a bigger condo in the same building. Very easy to move from one place to another in the same building. I've done that before. Uh, move into a bigger place and less money. I've done that very thing before. Move from a two-bedroom into a three-bedroom from 10th floor to 16th floor uh, in the middle of an economic crisis because this guy up there offered me a bigger place for less than I was playing for the smaller place. So you, you should be thinking about things like this. In other words, there's not all bad things ahead, okay? There's some very nice opportunities ahead. Uh, you need to plan on wearing a mask. I mean, I know we hate those things, but mask and hand washing is gonna become second nature. Do you remember how, please forgive me, and I don't say this critically, but do you remember how we always used to laugh at the Japanese because anytime somebody had the sniffles, they wore a mask, and the Japanese were like mask fanatics when you go to Japan? But you know, they've had less trouble with this COVID thing than just about any other nation because they have a mask-wearing culture. So I think the mask-wearing and the hand-washing is going to learn to become second nature among us for a while. So... Just get used to it. Don't fight with it. Don't chafe at it. Just, okay, this is going to be what life is going to be for a while. I think as a family, you need to talk about imported things are going to get very difficult and very expensive. And you know what? Maybe it's good to just buy Pinoy and build our own economy. And taking it a step farther, if you can do it with a win-win situation and not take advantage of each other, buy from other members in COP. Keep the Keep the financial strength among the body. But again, don't don't take advantage of each other and don't ask for extra special discounts. You know, I mean, yes, make tawad, but, you know, no taking advantage of each other. But, you know, learn to buy Pinoy and keep things, keep things going. Uh, as things get tighter, that's when you want to start negotiating for some things like this and, and bigger condos at less prices and negotiating for rent, lowering the rent on your businesses and things like this. So you need to sit down and talk as a family and don't look at all these things in the future as negatives. Look, look at a lot of this as, you know, there's some opportunities here. There's, there's some things that we can do very well. But again, not if you're throwing all your money away on, forgive me, milk tea and the latest thing and the latest foodie adventure. I, I think I think the last few months, staying at home, we've learned how to live simple, inexpensive lives. Let's keep that going. Keep the money in the bank. And let's come out of this with the wealth of the wicked transferred to the righteous. Okay? Let's understand wealth transfers in the hard times. But wealth doesn't transfer just by earning money. Wealth transfers by land. And you got to remember, in the Bible, inheritance was always about land. So this would be a good time for some of you to buy land. All right. Now, the other day, Sister Bev and I, I've been teaching on your soul finding rest in God. And I was reminding Sister Bev of this song, and I began to sing this old song for her. And the two of I just sat here in our sala, and believe it or not, the two of us were singing a duet together. Now, she was in key, and of course, I was out of key, uh, and just trying to match her notes. 
But we, we couldn't remember all of it. But they went and put this all together. We started using it last night. And let's have it again right now. My Soul, this old song from the 90s written by Dan Gardner, an old friend of ours. My soul finds rest in God alone. Now you know why I like that chorus so much. All right, we're not going to get to our Old Testament reading today, though there is some absolutely amazing stuff. You begin Second Chronicles chapter t today, and there's some beautiful, beautiful things. Let me just highlight them, and then we'll read our New Testament passage. You know, in chapter one, those first six verses, you again see where the ark and the altar are separated. Now, one day, I mean, I've been really getting after this one for about three or four weeks now. 
one of these days I'm going to get the revelation on that. The ark and the altar were separated. They offered sacrifices at Gibeon, and the ark was just completely stuck in a warehouse for 60 years, and then David brought it and put it in a tent in Jerusalem. But here, the ark, even when Solomon first becomes king, the ark is in Jerusalem under a tent, and the tabernacle in the wilderness is set up at Gibeon, and the altar for sacrifice is set up at Gibeon. So that's beautiful truth. And another thing I want you to see is in verses 14 through the end of the chapter, you see that Solomon brought great wealth for an entire generation. He made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stone. So he, he prospered an entire generation, not himself. Great leaders don't just get wealthy. Great leaders bring an entire group of people into prosperity. But the other thing I want you to notice, and this is a negative, if you notice in verses 16 through the end of the chapter, Solomon was an arms dealer. Now, God had told kings of Israel that they were not to go buy horses and chariots from Egypt. Solomon not only bought them, he traded in them. He made part of his wealth by selling horses and chariots to the kings of Assyria, to the Hittites. Uh, Solomon did some really foolish things in his life. All right, so there's some things I just want you to notice there. Um, Notice the purpose of overseers in the very last verse of chapter 2. Overseers were to make the people work. You, you put supervisors in place not to be popular. The purpose of a department head, the purpose of a team leader, is to make the people work. It's not to be popular. And, you know, sometimes department heads and team leaders, they're more interested in popularity than in productivity. Okay, so the purpose of an overseer, team leader, department head, is to improve productivity not their personal popularity. So there's some thoughts for you from back there. But come back over with me now, and we'll actually read through Acts chapter 22, beginning with verse 22. Up to this word, they listened to him. Now, what is this word? What was the last word he said? Gentiles. God will send you as far away to the Gentiles, verse 21. When he said Gentiles, up to this word, they listened to him. Prejudice stops logic. When prejudice begins, logic begins. You, you cannot reason with a person whose heart is full of prejudice. I don't care what kind of prejudice it is. And brothers and sisters, in the body of Christ, we, we cannot allow this ugly disease, okay? Every man is equal in God's eyes. Up to this word, they listen to him. Then they stop listening. All they can do is scream after this, just like you see riots in the world today, okay? Up to this word, they listen to him. Then, as soon as he said the word Gentiles, then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. He should not be allowed to live. Now, notice, their prejudice, wanted, their prejudice warranted the death penalty, and his calling warranted their anger and the death penalty. Amazing. The death penalty for prejudice. Wow. He should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, in other words, a mob, they were just, they just went crazy. They, they went berserk. Okay. They, 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 they ran amok, to use the old Tagalog way of saying it. And they were shouting and throwing their cloaks and flinging dust into the air. The tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, they had him all stretched out. 
Paul said to the centurion who was standing by now, why did Paul wait this long? Probably he was trying to decide whether he should do this or not. You know, sometimes we wonder, why did somebody wait so long to do it? Well, because obviously they had a question about whether it should be done. Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, what are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and he had had him bound. Now, what was Paul trying to decide while they were stretching him out? Should I exercise my rights as a Roman citizen? Now, you know, Paul was used to dealing with things on a spiritual level. But now he's no longer in a spiritual situation. So he's trying to decide, do I exercise my legal rights in this situation? I have legal rights in this situation as a born citizen of Rome. Shall I exercise my legal rights? Now, by his legal rights, no centurion, no Roman military man could bind a Roman citizen without due process. And no Roman citizen could be flogged without due process. I mean, the Romans were big on this, the rights for their citizens. Now, nobody else had any rights, but for a Roman citizen, you had tremendous rights. In fact, he had more rights than that centurion who was about to flog him. And that's why that centurion was so afraid. So there are times, brothers and sisters, when we are not in a spiritual situation. And we have to make a decision. Do I use my legal rights? Paul chose to. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him, because he can't keep him bound, and commanded that the chief priests and all the council meet, and he brought Paul down and set them before them. That same place where Jesus had been tried, that same stone chamber, that same place where Stephen had been tried and condemned. Now Paul stands in the same place. Now, I want you to put yourself in Paul's position for a minute. These are the things I like to think about when I read my Bible. The last time Paul had stood in this chamber where there was a trial had been Stephen and before that Jesus. Now he'd been there after that getting his, you know, his, their normal meetings. But he'd been through two trials in that chamber. One when they condemned Jesus to death and one when they condemned Stephen to death. Now he had been part of the Sanhedrin and actually was the legal witness in Stephen's death. Now, he stood in the same place where Jesus stood, because they always made them stand in the same place. He stood in the same place that Stephen had said. And now he's standing there in trial. I wonder how his thoughts went back to, as a young man, he probably sat on a back bench. As he looked back to where he used to sit, and he remembered how Jesus stood here. And he remembered how Stephen stood here. And now he's standing here. I cannot even imagine the thoughts of Paul and the things that went through his heart. And looking intently at the council, these were his old companions. Now, it's 30 years later, but many of these he'd known for 30 years. He looked intently at them. 
looking in their eyes. These were men he knew. These were men who knew his family. These were men he knew their families. Many of these were men he'd eaten in their homes. He looked intently at the council and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Adonias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike, wash, strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, yet contrary to the law you order me to be struck? Um, Paul was not a shy man. you got to understand, Paul was a fighter. Okay, I mean... Uh, there, there's, 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 not, there's not fear and timidity in this man's heart. He turns and faces that guy and calls him down. Those who stood by him said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, my brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Now, look at Paul back up here for a minute. You say, but this is Ananias, Paul. Yeah, Ananias is now high priest again. But the last time Paul had been there, Caiaphas had been high priest. Remember, Annas was like the godfather of this family. And the position of high priest for 63 years bounced between Ananias, his son, and his son-in-laws. All right, so this bounced back and forth within the family. He didn't know that Ananias was high priest. They said, you know, it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So, okay, even if the guy, this guy is wrong, I need to obey the law. I need to obey our customs. Okay, even if he's wrong, I'm not going to speak against him. Paul, Paul was interesting about that. Verse 6. Now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, I mean, he knew these guys. He, he looked at the room. He could see how they were dressed. One part were the Pharisees, the elite of the Hasmonean dynasty, the, the nobility uh, that you were born into, but very liberal theology, and one were the Pharisees. And he was a Pharisee. He cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of Pharisees. And they all knew that to be true. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In other words, Paul divided the house. He understood these people and divided the house. And he knew there was no love between them. So he divided the house. And the assembly was divided. Now, now here is, sometimes with the shrewd, God shows himself to be shrewd. And Paul was very shrewd here. He knew these people hate each other even more than they hate me. So he said, the way to fix this is to divide the house. For the, Sadducee, for the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, no angel, nor spirit, and the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong with this man. What if an angel or a spirit spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring them back into the barracks. Um, Paul won the day by highlighting the hatred that they had between themselves. And sometimes that's how you win a battle. The following night, the Lord stood by him. Now, 
Paul had done everything he knew to do now, okay? He's used his Roman citizenship. He's played his card, divided the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What do I do now? The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage. As you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Now this to me, this is the incredible grace the wonderfulness, the awesomeness, the mercy, the every superlative you can think of, of Jesus. The Lord stood by him. Oh, beloved, I do believe there are times that God stands by us. That God, when we don't know what to do anymore, when we don't know what's next, God doesn't even send an angel. This is a, th- this is a theophany, a physical manifestation of the presence of God. The Lord stood by him. How would you like to uh, be sitting there in your bed one night trying to figure out what am I going to do next? And Jesus appears and stands by you. (laughs) He said, take courage as you have testified to the facts about me. He said, "You you haven't just done a bunch of nonsense. You've testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem. So you must also testify in Rome. In other words, Paul, it does not end here. I know you've watched the Savior killed by these people. You watched me killed. You watched my servant, Stephen, killed by these people. You know what these people are capable of because you used to be a part of them. But Paul, it does not end here. Paul, there is a future ahead for you. Paul, you're going to Rome. Now, if you wonder what kept Paul calm in his heart for the next two years before he got to Rome. I believe it was that word that night. And he hung on to that word. Now, again, beloved, when God does something like this for you, and I really believe God does it today. I mean, you know, forgive me, God is not a doctrine that we believe in. God is alive. God is real. Whatever he did in the Bible, he will do today. Some of you, God has spoken to. And you need to hang on to those things he spoke to you. You need to keep reminded of those things that he spoke to you. Paul, you're going to Rome. It does not end here. It will not end in Caesarea. The whole time he's in Caesarea, locked up for two years, God said, I'm going to testify about him in Rome. He gets shipwrecked. It does not end here. God said, I must testify about him in Rome. He's stuck on the island of Malta. God says, I must testify about him in Rome. The same principle when he told the disciples, we're going to the other side. Same principle here. Paul, you're headed to Rome. Don't worry about it. Life does not end here. Life does not end in the foreseeable future. You will testify about me in Rome. I just feel like God's wanting that going strong into somebody's heart today. Because God spoke some things to you. Hang on to those things God spoke to you. We didn't get into the Old Testament today. Please make sure you read it. Please make sure that you have your family meeting. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock.